This is episode 52 of OutlanderCast with Mary and Blake. Now you have your choice, him or me. I cannot live where Randall lives. If you will not allow me to kill him, then kill me now yourself. One year. One year. Then the child Randall's. It will be conceived by then and... After that, I swear, I swear I will help you bleed him myself. You owe me that much, James Fraser. I've saved your life. Not once, but twice. You owe me a life. I see. And now you claim you're dead. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I finally got the episode of Outlander that I was looking for <laughs> all season long so yeah. far. Yes, you did. And it's great uh, because it's finally here. Mm-hmm. I, I am fully engaged. I'm fully enveloped by what they're trying to do. The thing that's a little discouraging is that it took five episodes to get it. But I'm super freaking happy that we're here now. Yes. Uh, and it's all because... We care about what's happening. Mm-hmm. We care about the people. We care about what the we care about what's happening to the people, uh, and that to me is just tremendous. It's this is what Outlander feels like to me. Yes, even though they were in France, even though they're still fish out of water here a little bit. What they did with this show is what they fi- what it finally feels like. And oh my god, I'm glad it's back. I am super glad it's back. Me too, my love. Yes. <sighs> We're ready. We're ready for some GBG, some good, bad, great. What's yours? What do you got? All right. My good was that there was just so much pregnancy. Oh, yes. So much pregnancy. I've been complaining every once in a while, like, hey, where's the pregnancy? What's going on? Not only was there tons of baby bump, but Claire was holding her bump, even when the bump was a little hidden under the French dress. And my favorite moment when Claire was like, I don't feel so good. And where'd she go? To get food. <laughs> she went to go eat grapes. And I was like, that's right. Because that's what you do when you're a pregnant woman and you don't feel good. That's you know a pregnant your, lady. You know your blood sugar's like dipping <laughs> and you need to get some food. And I loved her. She was like picking a grape and then she's smelling the flower. She's probably is silently thinking like, are you kidding me? This is all they have is grapes. <laughs> Didn't they know they invited a pregnant woman? Who's catering this? Where are my sandwiches? <laughs> so, so much pregnancy is my good. They need to lead a pig in a blanket. <laughs> Come on, what are we doing here? My bad was Claire not being able to tell Jamie a simple reason why Frank had to live. And this has been brought up a oh, lot. Oh, yeah. If Frank doesn't live, Claire doesn't get married to Frank. They don't go on their second honeymoon and Claire may not travel through the stones. Hmm. 
Yeah, but even then, she still wasn't even willing to fess up until she was caught with her pants down about the fact that she just wants Franks to live. I know. I know. It's, it, you know, just, and this isn't anything about this particular episode. Yeah. This is, this is That's Claire. just a character. This is exactly, and she's been wrestling with it, and so that's just my bad. And is like, I just... I, like I said to about Jamie last episode, telling truth sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Yep. Truth so, sucks. So that's why it was bad. I just felt very awkward. But you got to do it. And the great was everything. Everything, everything, everything that has to do with Black Jack Randall in this mm, episode. Now you, you, know how, you know how to get <sighs> to my heart, honey. Gosh. I, <laughs> yeah, we will discuss so much more. Yeah. I loved this episode. We will totally discuss more. But BJR just is my great. How about you? What's your good, bad, good? My good, good, bad, great. My good was uh, Jamie and Claire's honest conversation and reaction about the La Dame Blanche mm-hmm. uh, title uh, and how she was like kind of kind of pissed off. <laughs> like, hello. Like, are you I kidding me? I, I, I was tried as a freaking witch and now you're telling everybody that I'm a witch? Yeah, like, what are you doing? Thanks. But it, it was funny because she was angry. But then, you know, like when you're with your husband or you're with your wife and they do something stupid and you're pissed off and then you realize, oh, that's just dumb. Mm-hmm. And you laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, Blanche. And she like kind of gives him a nudge. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was really cute and sincere. And he was like, yeah, I, I, I was drinking pretty heavy. <laughs> uh, that, so that's what came up out of me. Uh, the bad. Um, Jamie's reaction to Murtaugh when he, uh, when Murtaugh thinks that he let Jamie down. Oh. I didn't like Jamie's reaction, um, and I didn't like it, uh, not necessarily because it wasn't written well. I think it was written fine, but because that's your boy. You know, that like that is your bro, mm-hmm. Murtaugh. Uh, that's your godfather, technically, but that is like the person with whom you have the most closest relationship in all of France, except for Claire. And even then, it's kind of a different relationship. It's a guy relationship. It's just different. Yeah. And, you know, Murtaugh says, hey, I let you down, and... Uh, and Jamie gives like this half-assed kind of answer like no you didn't you were outmatched you know not like no listen it's okay he, mm-hmm. he kind of gave him a half-assed answer and then he's like uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry I'll never do it again he's like well then uh, make sure you find this guy instead of saying no you're okay everything is cool you did the best that you could he kind of like faked it and I didn't I like that I don't know that, bros don't do that I don't know maybe they have a different bro code See, you don't know. You don't go to like protect people and sword fight. Oh, I'm not down with the Scotland code or something. Is is that what you're trying to tell me? That's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> my great was um, <laughs> my great was the silent conversation between uh, Black Jack Randall and Jamie. Everything about that scene, uh, the way that it was shot, the way that it was lit, the way that it was handled, uh, the fact that you didn't hear anything, you didn't need to hear anything because what was what was said was unimportant. It was what came out of what was said was mm-hmm. important. And that is when you're finally doing something right with your show. When you don't need to tell me, you just show me. And they nailed it in this in this uh, particular scene. Uh, my love, what do you got for your kilt rating? My kilt rating is a big old five. I uh, see. Now I can get behind you on this one. Yay! For real? But, Are we matching? Uh, no, we're not matching. But I, I can understand why you're, why you're getting there with, with a five. I can understand it. What is your kilt rating? I'm giving it a 4.8. Okay. 
Okay, so that's pretty much like a five. It a basically Blake's is five. a five. <laughs> uh, it basically is a five. Five is reserved for those very special episodes of Outlander. I think that this was one of them. But this is very, very close. Well, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it so incredibly much. What did our listeners give it? Gail Little on Facebook says, I loved, loved, loved this episode. The acting was so good. I give, oh, she matched me. I give this a 4.8 kilt rating. It would have gotten five kilts, but lost the point two because it was only 51 minutes yeah, long. seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Needs so much more time. Uh, Karen Swinehart on Facebook says, Five kilts. This was the episode I've been waiting for. Wow, everyone's like on the same page mm-hmm. here. Um, I've been waiting for, for the first time, the Claire and Jamie in my head connected with the Claire and Jamie on screen in the very best way, from the late night planning and scheming to the moment Jamie tells Claire about La Dame Blanche and her mix of humor and annoyance, just like the book Claire, to the sweet way they both interacted oh, with Fergus. Yes, so yes, yes. lovely. The pacing was perfect. Nothing felt rushed. And the episode actually seemed longer than it was. And Joko300 on Instagram says, Best of the season two so far, Richard Kahan wasn't tasked with new characters and plot manipulations. He got to write feelings with time to breathe for each character. And each actor took that space and filled the screen. Mm. Top marks this week. Uh, I would agree. It's it's definitely by far the best episode mm-hmm. of, of season two. Yep. And it's because we finally had a chance to, as as Joko three hundred says, to breathe with the characters. Yes. You know, we're not stuck with machinations of okay, this is Duvernay and this is the guy, and he goes over here and he talks to this person. Here's Annalise, and she knows him because of that. And no, 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 no. This was all character based, and I I just I couldn't get enough, and I could, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt the fact, and all of that is important but the fact doesn't hurt that black jack randall's on screen he is electric everything about this character (laughs) (laughs) um everything about this is is electric for him so i i was pretty excited by that (sighs) let's go into this episode okay hold on Tell me some fun facts. So, this one, uh, La Dame Blanche, uh, not, not La Dame Blanche, I, I got that stuck in my head now. Untimely <laughs> Resurrection was written by one Richard Kahan. If you don't know his name, that's okay. Uh, he is actually the writer's assistant to Ira Stephen Bear, who you should know. Uh, and this is his first writing credit of his career, like technically the first writing credit of his career. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine the pressure that he must have on his shoulders? Forgetting this episode. <laughs> well, you know what, Richard? You knocked it out of the park. I mean, you blew everybody's doors off, <laughs> yes. kiddo. I mean, yes. this is amazing. I love how you called him kiddo. He's probably older than me, you know. <laughs> He's probably our Well, age. no, I, I feel I feel a little bit of ownership over Richard. You want to know why? Why? It's because we interviewed him. And we interviewed him before the season. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I I'm like a, I feel like he's like my, my bro. And I and I and I so badly want him to succeed because he's such an amazing person. Yes. And he was fantastic. He was very kind. He's been very kind to us. Uh, and uh, you fall, please follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's amazing. Uh, actually, I'll have his Twitter handle on the show notes. Uh, he's just an amazing guy. And I'm so happy that he got a chance to write this episode. 
and he did an amazing job. Uh, this one was also uh, directed by Douglas McKinnon, who directed La Dame Blanche. And uh, again, like we said last episode, uh, he directed the latest Sherlock special, The Abominable Bride, a bunch of Doctor Who, and The Flying Scotsman. And a small note, too, Neville Kidd was the director of photography for this particular episode as well. So it was not the original three-episode uh, Steve McNutt mm-hmm. uh, DP. It was Neville Kidd. And it was really exciting. Uh, great job by everybody. Directing, everything. Loved it. All right. So we're just going to continue in the fashion that we've started of rather than going scene by scene. Yeah, who the hell wants get, that? I want to go to the juicy, juiciest thing. Let's get first. right to it. Right to it. BJR. Holy, B- holy smokes. Oh, my God. It was handled effing beautifully. Now, for those of you who are not book readers, you may have known, eh, this might be coming up because Tobias was interviewed a lot and they always said that that was the one Frank episode, you know, that we were going to have. So you kind of knew that there was going to be some more BJR. And then, of course, we learned from the Duke that Black Jack Randall was still alive. So it was kind of like, Well, we, right. we learned from his brother his that brother, he was alive. His brother, yes. Okay, that, great. So you kind of knew like, all right, we're going to be seeing this guy again. But holy smokes with that reveal. This is very different than the books. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, can, very different. Can, can you give me a a, a small Jamie snippet? did not know and literally like walked into him. Really? Claire did not tell Jamie. Oh, my God. I would have died if that happened in the show. Um, I wish they had done that. This was so it but it wasn't here it wasn't like this fancy of a like it It still could have worked because jamie wouldn't have been able to do what he wanted to do they uh, it still could have worked i think can you imagine that tension like if if oh think of this if um if uh what's what's his name uh what's her name annalise (laughs) says to uh says to claire hey uh oh my god uh, you're not feeling well. Let me go get your husband. And if Claire had not told Jamie, and Jamie walks up and you see the the dread on Claire, like you already see the dread on her face face as it was shot, right? But could you imagine if Jamie didn't know and Annalise, the ex girlfriend, was going to tell Jamie that his wife was sick, and and all of a sudden he bumps into Blackjack, freaking Randall, mm-hmm. and he had to play nice and he had to be polite. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, I loved this. I oh, absolutely no, I loved, it too. loved, loved this. It too. I loved when Claire is just all set with freaking Annalise. Like, shut up. We know he, you know, <laughs> I would be like, yeah, damn straight. He was a boy and now he's a man. Now he's a man. And yo. that's thanks to me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you hear Annalise say, oh, someone's looking at you. I thought she was just poking fun of her. Mm-hmm. And then it got slow-mo and you just saw it. Tobias does amazing work oh. with his face. You got to see every single muscle. Like transformed to, ooh, it's Claire. Ooh, I'm going to be menacing. Ooh, haha, I want to laugh. Now I'm going to have a creepy face. Oh. Like it was, it was so unbelievably perfect. Their whole interaction. It was amazing. Acquaintance. He's an acquaintance. Oh my God. And, he, and he's like, yes, yes, we, we've, we, yes, we have. We have met. And then when uh, he oh. took off his hat and he like couldn't really put it under his shoulder oh fantastic and it, he says you know you know how he ran into a little bit of an issue but he yeah. kind of it was almost like he didn't wink at claire but he kind of gave her this look like thanks claire <laughs> like thanks he, for the cows he, he had this like wry little smirk mm-hmm. the entire time like he was amused by how serendipitous 
yes. this whole interaction was. Oh, gosh. It was so creepy. And he was happy that it was Claire. He was happy that, like, that moment when he says, Jamie's here. Mm-hmm. And he's and she's like, yeah. He says, where? Uh, like, uh, the way that Tobias commands the screen. And I'm sorry. Listen. I'm going to fanboy all over Tobias Menzies this episode. And uh, for those of you who don't like this, I'm sorry. But what happens when Blackjack Randall's on this screen is, like I said, it's electric. It's Mm -hmm. visceral. It is. He gives you pause. Like he I, I was thinking about this every show, every show. I don't care what show it is, whether it's a comedy, a drama, an action show, even a reality TV show. It needs someone there where you don't know what's going to happen when this character's on screen. Mm-hmm. And that's what Blackjack Randall is. Yes. You don't, you, you're so engrossed by, holy crap, what's going to happen that, I don't know. And, and that's, again, that's what this show has lacked for mm-hmm. the first four episodes. Everybody's kind of fit into place. Everybody's kind of done what they were supposed to do. And they were going through all the political machinations and the comp was there and yada, yada. And you didn't care about what Jamie and Claire were getting into because you weren't personally affected by any of the villains or any of the, or any of the antagonists. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't care about the Comte, right? You didn't care that his ship was burned down. Yeah, no. Nothing. I mean, you, you got a little bit when he, when you, we imagine he tried to poison Claire, but you have all that history now with Blackjack Randall. And that is when things turned Oh, oh, so good in this episode. Beautiful, beautiful. And then, of course, they have the interaction with the king, which I loved this. Mm-hmm. I, I know that Ashley, uh, a blog writer on the Outlander cast blog, she'd written something about how it was so nice to see the king in a nicer attire, nicer uh, place, because we last saw him on the throne, meaning the to- toilet, right. um, trying to take a poo. So um, it's really nice to see him all dressed up. And, of course, he somewhat mocks Black Somewhat. Jack. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> it's only the French can do. Oh my God! They just like his nose up in the air. Oh, <laughs> like, gosh. like it was make mock. I mean, they were mocking his his accent. Everything. Um, but the king's like, oh no no no. But you know, the king was totally down with that. He mean girl the hell. And th- again, another reference of mean girls <laughs> on Outlander cast. I, we need a we need a mean girl sound. Oh, we do. Um. Anyway, so. Yeah, they had that. Then you have the slow motion Jamie coming up. And I loved oh. how Jamie didn't even look at Blackjack. He kind of kept his eyes focused and front. Mm-hmm. And then they had to have their little interaction. And boy, was that banter. <laughs> oh, it was great. Holy smokes. It was like talking about the, the accident and the sheep and the cattle. And it was so passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great. to. And this, and to me, this is the only way that you could introduce Blackjack Randall back into season two because y- you have to feel that tension. Like if, if Blackjack Randall's there and Jamie is able to pull his sword out and start fighting, yeah. you don't get the emotional resonance that you need for that character. Well, and now they get to be a little bit, see, I, Jamie of course is the king of men, but he has been really traumatized by Blackjack Randall, sure. understandably so. So for Jamie to watch Blackjack Randall be so humiliated, to be told to get on his knees and to see him really have a problem with that and he know that he's coming to ask for help for his brother. Mm-hmm. And he's being made fun of in front of Jamie, in front of Claire, by the French king nonetheless. Oh, that was great. You know, I can see why Jamie had the... 
the uh, confidence to go ask him to duel. Right. Because it- he said, all right, you know what? You are human. Mm-hmm. You will haunt me no more. Because I just saw you and he's, you know, Black Jack Randall, of course, is, is hurt anyway, too. But I just, it really, I think it helped take this super villain notion that Jamie had in his head of haunting him and made him realize, no, he's just as human as me. Sure. And that means I can kill him. Right. Right. No, no longer is he Freddy Krueger. He's mm-hmm. not just the guy that haunts me in my dreams, which is something mm-hmm. that eventually says later on. He is, in fact, vulnerable and he can be made fun of. When the king makes him get on his knees oh and then ranks on him for it, like you, you guys are so little, like I can't even do a, bit, a bad no, French act. Little, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, it was uh, it was cathartic for for Jamie and Claire, but you know mm-hmm. what? It was cathartic for you as the viewer too. Oh my gosh, so much so, and, and the anger, the the the, the the oh my god, the pure anger that Tobias Menzies emits. As as um, as Black Jack Randall, it was it was seething. It was like it was uh, it was it was it was like oh my god, it was boiling hot water, and the steam was coming off of him. Like, like I want someone to make a little meme. I want someone to take some like art and just have the steam come out of his ears at right. that moment. <laughs> I was I was so pleased by all of this. I, what I, I couldn't take. Was, you know, Claire asking the king, I need to go. I don't feel good. Obviously, that's her exit. Mm-hmm. Jamie then goes, and I knew it. Right as Jamie started to say, are you really not well? I was <laughs> like, oh, no. Don't turn around. Don't do it. <laughs> and he goes and turns around. I, like, I was like, are you okay? All right, good. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what creeped me out was when Blackjack Randall touched Jamie's chest. Oh, what do you think he... I know we said that it wasn't important what they said, and it's it's not important because you get the idea. No. But what do you think he said when he was touching his chest like that? Like, you know, we have already settled this, or I owe you a death, or something like that, or like this this was my chance to do it, and I'll, oh I'll do God. it again. See, no, I, I I just took it as like, am I still there with you? Oh yes! <laughs> oh my freaking goodness! Bam. Or even something <laughs> oh. like, like, do you always feel my touch? Oh, Oh, that is something sick and sadi- That's how I took sadistic it. that he would say to Jamie, too. Yeah. And then I loved how they still bowed at each other at the end. I right. was like, boys, that was very <laughs> fancy. Why are you doing that? Right. Why are you bowing? Well, they, they got to play nice. They got to play nice. And what really got me going, which what I really liked, was when... Jamie walks up and Randall has this little bit of fear. Like, even though he knows. When he first walked up with the king, you mean? Yes. And he has this little bit of fear. He reached towards his sword. He grabs his sword and he like, he holds it there. Like you can see his hand even trembling a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though he told Claire, you know, that wouldn't be a wise decision for Jamie because he would, you know, he'd have to be put to death for, you know, raising the sword in front of the king at the court. Um, it was uh it was it was like oh man it, again it was another character moment everything that evolved out of this scene was pure character like even the even the anger and the frustration and the hurt that claire mm-hmm. has when she turns around after annalise walks away 
Oh God, Annalise. Uh, I mean, dumb as dumb as bricks. I'm sorry. I don't like Annalise. I'm That's not. Fine. I'm not into her. I'm not either. I like, she's almost worse than leg hair for me right now. <laughs> I don't know if she's worse than leg hair. Well, no, no, because you know Annalise Meaning didn't. Meaning Leary, but no. Yeah, a- Annalise didn't get you know them put into the, the thieves' hole mm-hmm. and tried for being a witch. I, I I understand that point, but she might as well be leg hair for me, and I I just I can't stand her. So now Jamie and Claire are in quite some conflict oh, this over is, this duel. By the way, I was right about all that. Bam! Just like that. A winner! That outlandish theory of the week came true. Thank you very much. I just I want to pat myself on the back mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm good at the game. I, I'm good at the game. What do you want me to tell you? I, I love you. And this this is why this conflict, this conflict, it, it's it's a it's uh the the blackjack Randall thing is a byproduct of the mistrust. And the um, the lack of faith in themselves and what comes out of this argument. This argument was almost going to happen inevitably no matter what, whether Blackjack Randall was here or not. Because they're both converging at these points of, yes, we're trying to change the future, but she also has these... She also, Claire also has these other motivations that she isn't being wholly truthful to Jamie about. Mm -hmm. And inevitably that's going to come to a head, whether it was now because of Blackjack Randall or whether it was three episodes from now because of X, Y, and Z. It was going to happen. Yes. Well, I'm proud of you. And the beautiful thing that what comes out of this, and I want to get your opinion about this, is this whole argument almost makes me not like Claire. About him not dueling? Yeah. Okay. You know what? We're gonna take it here. Well well no, let me let me let me just let me just say this. <laughs> it makes me not like Claire a little bit because she's entering she's playing the game so that it fits her. Okay, could you not like that she went to the Bastille? Cause that's the part that I'm like a little uh, about. But for Claire to have this disagreement with Jamie, for her to feel so strongly about him not doing this, I don't have a problem with. Well, I think Claire has a plethora of reasons. Number one, excuse me, Jamie, I've decided to stay in this time frame and have your baby, mm-hmm. and now you're going to duel, which means you have a 50% chance of dying. And right. even if you live, it's outlawed. Right. I'm pregnant with your child, like... Are you kidding me? Okay, so here, I, and I don't want to interrupt you, and I don't mean to because I don't want to get in trouble. But here is, here is I think, the definition that we're, we're getting uh, a little, that we're passing ships in the, in, on the seas here. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is that Claire is entering this morally gray area. And I'm, t- I'm thinking about this more on a philosophical leather level as as opposed to a pragmatic level, which okay. which you are. Of course, you have to think about your wife and the and and your your yet unborn child and um and the whole dueling thing and being in jail. Of course, that that is paramount. But the philosophical problem is. <laughs> You can't have your cake and eat it too. Well, exactly. You, you She's doing because of Frank. And you can't you can't go to Jamie and say, "Hey, we are changing the future. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. We're going to get it done." And then, when it comes down to changing the future, now when it's inconvenient for you, we can't change it. We can't do it because you want to save Frank. I thought you loved me. You have to choose me. What, what does it matter if Frank lives or not? You're here. 
And the moral the moral issue really is when is enough enough? And is she really there to change the the the, hist- the past, or is she there because she is she changing it because she is obligated to change it, or is she changing it because it's it's convenient? And what gives her the right to change history? Mm. What gives her the the moral authority to say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give that letter over to uh, to to Alex or whoever or to to the courts? Yeah, because I want Mary to be with. Blackjack Randall. I did not like that. I I really struggled with Claire holding that letter by the fire. Right. What I gives really her the struggled. What gives her the right to do that? N- nothing. But she didn't do it. She I know. Didn't but end what I'm saying it. is, she considered it. Yes. And and then she's saying, and then, but okay, even if she didn't give the letter, then she goes to Alex she didn't Randall. Burn the letter. Okay. But she goes to Alex Randall and says, mm, "You know what? I'm really thinking about my girl Mary." And you, uh, you're a mess now, and you're you're not going to be able to give her the life you're that she deserves. So how about we not have you two get together? You two so, kids get together. Can we just pause this for one second? Sure. Because not in real life, uh, okay. but like pause your Claire rant. Yep. Because when she was having this conversation with him, mm-hmm. all I could hear was, a scrub is a guy that thinks he's fly. <laughs> like the, the, the song Scrubs about the guys that don't have jobs. <laughs> Do you remember from the no, 90s? No. I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride. Trying to holler at me. Because he doesn't have his own money, so he has to go in his best friend's car. You don't remember this song? No. Oh my god. Where were you? Oh. You finding it? Oh yeah. Hold on, it's coming. Hold on, here it is. Yes. Here we go. Oh yes, I do remember this song. Just let it, just let it roll for a little okay, bit. Okay, we're gonna let now it picture ride. Claire saying this to Alex. But just sits on his broke ass So no Mary don't want your number No Mary wanna give you money No wanna teach you Oh my god TLC That is amazing Mary don't want no scrub That's basically what Claire is saying to him Oh my god So literally I was I really enjoyed that that singing Because that's what I was singing in my head Oh my god That is amazing Mary don't want your number so listen, <laughs> okay. Now that we had that TLC, TLC little little aside, I hope if if you enjoyed the scrub reference, please let me know. I know. Oh because my god! Watch that up. Watch that part again, and do think about Claire singing so, that. Here's to the Alex. thing. Here's the thing. Let me get this back on the rails here. Claire is now telling Alex, "Hey, no, uh, you can't. You can't be with Mary. You're a scrub." And, and she is essentially altering that trajectory. She yes. is she is forever changing their relationship. Whether or not this kid dies, whether or not Mary dies, whether or not and here's the other thing too. Will Claire start pushing Mary towards Blackjack Randall? I'm just going to look away and you're going to have to figure that out. Uh, no, I, what, what I'm saying is will she start pulling pulling pushing him her towards him and how does she manipulate that? And what gives her the right to manipulate that relationship? I, I, uh, and this is why I think, and this is why time travel is is insane uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to t- storytelling because there are so many different roads you can go. One thing leads to another, leads to another. 
what if Blackjack Randall never marries Mary Hawkins hmm. because Claire didn't actually start pushing Mary Hawkins to Blackjack Randall, right? It's 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 in, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. Um, so I, this whole thing is starting to make me not like Claire a little bit because she's doing it all for her own benefit. It is completely selfish. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, one could say it's not that she's also looking out for Frank. It kind of it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, yeah, I mean it's looking out for Frank, but she's looking out for Frank for her own benefit because she loves Frank, not because. Oh, Frank just needs to live because he needs to live. She's like, I love Frank. Like internally, she's saying, I love Frank. I want him to live. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, Battlestar Galactica a little bit. So say we all. When, uh, spoiler alert, they have the rebellion on this ship at the end uh, in, in season four. And Gate is like, oh, my God, what are you doing after he, spoiler alert, kills all uh, after uh, Zara kills all the quorum? He's like, we, what do you, why, why would you do that? We had the truth on our side. Why would you kill all these people? Now we, it's all fake now. It's, I no longer have the truth. And what Claire was doing by trying to stop the rebellion, that was the truth. That was something that was not selfish. That was selfless. And now she's being selfish. She no longer has the truth behind her. And I, uh, I think that, and again, I'm not saying that, it's bad. It's actually really good. It makes for great television. Yes. It's it's extraordinarily compelling. Exactly. We're human and she's human and it's great to see a human human element. You know, quite frequently in television you don't get that and Claire is flawed. Jamie is flawed. Right. It's fantastic. So do you see where Jamie's coming from at least? Though? Oh my gosh, entirely. Okay, so who's who on which side of the coin are you falling here? Okay, as a mother, I would not want you to go and endanger yourself. Right. So I would be on the side of Claire. But you know that's only part of the reason for Claire here. Mm-hmm. That's not the full reason. No, I know. I know. So, so it's, I mean, it's with, hard. With that, with that context, on whose coin are you falling? Because Jamie has the right here. You you can't... Yes. You, you can't tell this guy this guy lives and be okay with it at that point and be okay with the fact that Jamie's telling you, you gave me a reason. And now all of a sudden when it doesn't benefit you... Then you're like, nope, sorry. I need you to wait a year. Sorry, bro. I just wish that Clara would have learned some like African poison dart uh, weapon, you know, during her African times, and they could just do that and kill him very quickly. And then no one would be hurt. And no one would be judged with doing <laughs> Here's another question I was just thinking of. Okay, even if she does start pushing Black Jack Randall or she starts pushing Mary Hawkins on Black Jack Randall, how does she do that? How do they get in the same room? You're just going to have to wait and see, I guess. Oh, my God. It's like, it's, oh, my God. It's, this is, it's going to be, this is bad news, dude. Well, you know what was good news? All of it's bad news. Very precious. What's that? Was the christening gift oh, that Jamie yes. gave Claire for the baby, the apostle spoons. Now, this, of course, means that Jamie has been thinking about the baby. Yep. You know, because like in last week's episode, they had that huge fallout where Claire said, we don't even talk about the baby. And that his sister Jenny had sent them. You know what that reminds me of? What? <laughs> what? It reminds me of when when we, you got re- uh, pregnant with Reese, uh-huh. our, our son Godzilla, and you were like, "I'm doing this alone. I feel like I'm alone in this whole thing." And you got me that book 
uh, the caveman's guide to pregnancy. <laughs> that was an amazing book. And you're like, just read this book, will you? And it was like, it was like pregnancies for dummies, but like for even more like stupid than dummies. <laughs> I it was put it like, in the bathroom because I knew you'd read it there. Right. And I, and I read it. And like that first, the first thing I read was, hey, take your pregnant wife who does it, who feels big and ugly and fat and like sweaty and smelly and tell her that she's pretty and take her out to whatever the hell she wants to do. And that's what this reminded me of. Like, I learned, I was like, okay, you know what? I have to do more than just sit on my ass. <laughs> Jamie had to do more than just sit on his ass and be like, oh, I think we should name him. What What the hell was the name you wanted to name him? Like, <laughs> la- uh, not Lamb. Uh, that was that was her name. It was like- It began with a D. Lucifer. Or, oh, no. dis- dismuthony. It sounded like a sneeze. It sounded like a sneeze. It's the sneeze <laughs> kid. I'm going to name my kid Sneeze. No, so he gave them spoons. Now, can so you tell me spoons. what these apostle, apostle spoons are? Yes, I can. Uh, this one actually came from Catherine, ooh, I'm not sure how to say this, Catherine Arch Van Wessop on Facebook, uh, on the uh, Outlander Cast Clan Gathering Facebook group. She gave us some context about the Apostle Spoons, and uh, she gave us a link that said, An Apostle Spoon is a spoon, usually silver or silver-plated, but sometimes of other metals, such as pewter, with an image of an apostle or other saint as the termination of the handle, each bearing his distinctive emblem. Apostle spoons were particularly popular in the pre-Reformation times when belief in the services of a patron saint were still very strong. They symbolized the Last Supper of Christ in the company of the apostles. So apostle spoons were especially popular in England, but were also found in Germany and other places as well. So it's a, it's a pretty meaningful thing, especially for this for this time period, or, or at least when they were created and then handed down as a family heirloom in, in the uh, Fraser family. I think mm. that's a very special thing. It is. It really is. And Jamie, of course, is religious. Um, so this is, you know, it, it just goes to show you, like, he's he's taking this baby thing very seriously. Mm-hmm. And he's really excited <laughs> that they're going to be having this child together. We also, speaking of children... Oh gosh! I you know. Oh, I know where you're going. I had that moment with Fergus when he came home and the house was a mess. Oh God! They probably had really sticky floors. You know, when you have a party and the day after, if you don't clean up right away, it's really sticky. Um, it it smells in. a little bit. Yeah, it smells like old. It has beer. like that weird booze, like yeah. wine smell. And he goes, and Fergus had just fallen asleep, oh. and Jamie just scoops him up in the most precious fatherly way and i think it was a great mirror to later on the scene after with the spoons when claire is having so much self-doubt that tons of parents have mm-hmm. tons if not all parents go through this whole moment of okay yeah i, I know that i need to feed this child and um i don't <laughs> you know i need to clothe this child i know i need to have birth but, but how do i really be a parent and jamie you know he knew she could do it And they're going to do it together. And you got to see Jamie be such an amazing, kind, loving, sweet father figure to Fergus. Right. And I just love that because Jamie, you know, he's he's great with with his his nieces and nephews at Lallybrock. He's Mm -hmm. amazing with Fergus. Like, he's just such a great uh, individual with children. And I loved how he just calmed Claire down. Right. And he's like, we, we're going to do it. We're going to do it together. And, and here, it'll be amazing. Here were two things that I took from this conversation that I really liked. Claire was saying, you know, I don't even remember my mom, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I have no real memory. And you start thinking about it. She didn't really have a maternal figure in her life. She was with, off with her uncle Lamb doing all the things over in Africa and, and, and in Egypt and all that other all that other stuff, right? And then she grows up and she lives her own life. And, and then she, she goes into the army. 
the British Army. And then, and then she becomes a nurse. She's always been on her own. She's always had to deal with men. And she doesn't have that, that pulling maternal thing. So that would be why I feel like she is so uh, worried, but also mm-hmm. self-conscious about being a mom and having that, that inner, that, that inner like um, motivation, that inner talent to be a mom. But the other thing I really like from this too um, was when Jamie says to her, listen, we're going to figure this out together. No matter what happens, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, it'll be fine. And here's the real issue that they're going to face is that he's not going to be around when she has this baby. You know, whether or not it's a baby that she has right then and there, or if it's like, you know, my outlandish theory of the week is that this baby is lost and she has, she gets pregnant again when, when she ends up in, in Scotland in 19, in 1946 or 48 Jamie is not going to be there to help her figure out what's going on with this baby. And that to me is, is it's great foreshadowing, but it's also one of the most heartbreaking things behind this conversation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like it, it, uh, it's, it's great to feel that way. And it's great that he gives her that comfort. But the heartbreaking thing is that he's not going to be there. Uh, and that, that feels terrible about that. You know what didn't make me feel terrible? What's that? La Dame Blanche. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I love that whole interaction. <laughs> I love the whole thing, and I'm glad that they. I'm glad that they. Uh, they clarified. They clarified it, and they clarified it rel- relatively quickly. Yeah. Um. And it was great how Jamie was, like I said earlier in my GBG, how he was like, yeah, I was, I was drinking, and but it, here's the problem I have with this is like, <laughs> he says, yeah, I told him, you know, I, I you were the Dame Blanche, and you know, I figured it w- would work, and it, obviously it did. Um, but but where the hell was the Ladon Blanche comment when the girl was biting his inner thigh? Oh, seriously, he was like, I, you know, I didn't want to seem like I was less of a man, and I also didn't want you know uh, to go along with what he was doing because he kept on pushing these girls on me. So I said this. Where the hell was that earlier? What are we doing? Yeah, I saw those bite marks, Jamie. Someone got really close. Was 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 Ladon Blanche post or pre bite marks? Bite marks? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a logic question. Yeah, I think we. Question. I think Jamie has to answer for a little bit here. Can we talk about the most annoying person on screen right now? Um, mark me. <laughs> mark me. Only oh, one, one. Only one mark me. <laughs> one, one of our listeners, I think it was Karen, she uh, she said, please, Blake, just do me a favor. For You said you wanted to use that as a, as a tidbit, as that as a soundbite going forward, which we will do. Mm-mm. But she's like, just, just for my sake, can you please just say it yourself? Whenever you do your outlandish theory, mock me in your own accent. So there you go, Karen. Perfect. Just for you, mock me. Um, okay, so so just to get the facts straight, the Bonnie Prince made a freaking fool of himself at the dinner. Duke of Sandringham said, Jamie, I don't know why you're friends with that guy. He's a doofus. Yep. I, I'm not giving him money whatsoever. Oh, wait, before we get into this real quick, I do want to get over to the, get on the fact that they figured out that the people who attacked them, uh, the, 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 the people who attacked... Uh, Claire. Claire and and Mary, they must the have come from the brothel. Yes, uh, because they were wearing nice clothes. They were speaking. They're in that gang. They were speaking as uh, uh, like a aristocratic. aristocratic way. They were they were in this gang, uh, and the only people that heard about Ladon Blanche were at the brothel. An initiation is by raping a maiden. Right, a getting maid, getting, getting a maiden. A, head. Yeah, a virgin. And obviously, you know, Murtaugh finds this out later on, which to me says. 
there's more the game is afoot here a little bit watson because there there's more than just happenstance this was again like how we said last episode this was planned Mm -hmm. and um it's someone close to jamie someone who knows what's happening someone who's been at the um someone who's been at the brothel which it can't be the compt it can't be the compt because he was never at the brothel until this episode right so someone who was at the thing Mm-hmm. Who was at the uh, the brothel must have heard Ladon Blanche when Jamie said it. Now, granted, we weren't privy to when Jamie did say it, so we don't know necessarily who was there. But we can. It's safe to assume that the Comte and Jamie have never crossed paths at the brothel. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. So it can't be him. It can't be him. Well, you're saying it can't be the Comte who planned it, who made it happen. It can't be. I mean, logically, it can't be. Because how how would... Why can't the Comte have done it? Because he doesn't know about the La Dame Blanche thing. Yeah, he doesn't know about it, but why can't his henchmen know about it? Uh, I feel... Obviously, if if the, if he knew La Dame Blanche, he wouldn't send his friends out being like, hey, go, go rape this witch. Exactly. That's why I'm saying he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have believed in it. But it doesn't matter. He still wouldn't have done it because they would have believed in it. And if, listen, if this is also a group of aristocrats, they're just like the Comte. No, you're supposed to understand from that that one of the rapists, if not all of them, were at the brothel. But they, mm, I'm, I'm, I don't not, know I'm who, not sure if I like this logic. I'm, 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 well, I mean, yes, at least one of them or all of them were at the brothel at one, needs at to one know, point. Or at least know about the La Dame Blanche Right, story. so if these guys believe in that, they're aristocrats, that means the Comte would be susceptible to that too. Do I think he would? I, I don't know. I don't get that impression from him in the conversation, which, by the way, was also a stellar part of this episode, uh, the, the conversation with the Comte. I don't know. I I'm not sure if, if I believe the comp was behind the the rape That's scene. That's fine. I'm not sure if I do. That's totally uh, fine. So, but yeah, there there's a connection here, and the, the game is afoot. Mm-hmm. The game is on, Watson. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue on with the body prince. Oh, just that he needs money. Yes. And he found money in the wine business. Right. So he's going to get a loan from the bank and the Comte is going to be his business partner. They're going to buy the shipment. Buy shipment of wine. It's Madeira wine from Portugal. And Jamie has to find the buyers. Yeah. So what the, the, the way that I broke it down was this. The Bonnie Prince realizes the Comte wants this wine. He can figure he figures out how to get the wine. The Bonnie Prince gets tenth it gets a ten thousand well, he gets a loan for half the amount to buy the wine, buy the shipment. Now he needs to find other buyers to get the wine uh brought in so that the Comte can resell it and then he can make a huge profit on it. And he also makes Jamie the one who's going to sell the wine to the people to make the big profit. And the funny thing is, is that Bonnie Prince says, hey, listen, I can I, I'm going to get 10,000 uh, pounds sterling, by the way. Uh, and it, this is going to be able to once we get this money, this is going to be able to show DuVernay that uh, this investment is worth making. So the king will then grant Bonnie Prince French money to 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 help facilitate the rebellion. Yeah. And I, I also Googled how much money it would be uh, to, in today's money mm-hmm. for uh, for 10,000 pounds in 1745. Guess how much? 
I do not know. Two and a half million dollars. Wow. Two and a half. I mean, which isn't a huge amount of money, but it's a pretty good amount of money. Two that's and a half million dollars. A good amount of money. So that's that. So you understand all that? You followed it very well. I, I took a second run through for me mm-hmm. to to get the the particulars, but again, it, it's all about the fact that they got this wine, they want to buy it, they're going into a partnership because the comp needs the money. Bonnie Prince Charlie gets the loan. They're going to figure it out. They're going to have Jamie sell the wine and then use the profits yes. to fund the Jacobite Rebellion. And the comp says, of course, contact me only when you have the buyer, oh, not beforehand. I loved this whole Favorite conversation. Favorite your personal life. Now, mind you, this is after he says, my wife was poisoned. She was attempted to be raped. Her friend was raped. All this stuff happened. And if I find out who did it, it's going to be a slow and painful death. Then the comp says, your personal life is no interest to me. Absolutely none at all. Oh my god, it was it was gorgeous. That's amazing. It it's was gorgeous. So mean. And his face, the way <laughs> that he so delivered mean. it, the way that he delivered it was uh, it was spot on. This made me like the comp so much more than what was happening before. Even when he says, you know, I, I remember what your wife tried to do to me. I remember that she tried to personally ruin me, and it reminded me of the Godfather a little bit. When he's like, uh, I, I, I don't forget these things. They stick, they stick with me, and the way that he delivers it, like this kind of like annoyance, mm-hmm. how he kind of hated being there, and he just, he just didn't want to be with Jamie at all. And even Jamie says, I, I don't want to be here any more than you do. In fact, I hate even being in your company. Uh, so let's just get this over with. This whole scene was fantastic. It was. It really was. And the fact, the fact that Jamie refused to speak French, and the fact that the comp refused to speak English, because <laughs> we know they both both can't speak yes. the opposing yes. languages. It was just like I'm not going to respect you in any fashion. I'm going to speak my language. You speak yours, and we'll figure it out. Oh my god, it was freaking awesome. <laughs> so it was my second favorite scene of this whole episode. Through this, of course, Jamie went home and told Claire about everything, and they come up with this idea of maybe we can fake smallpox, you know? Maybe there's something. We can't do smallpox, but maybe there's something that can happen, so I'll get back to you on that, says Claire. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I didn't like in that little scene I just needed to point out was when Jamie's like, oh, don't forget, we're going going to go see the Duke tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm going to help him find a horse. It was like, he said, don't forget we're doing this. But then he had to explain it to her. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, I I don't think you need to do that. <laughs> Can we talk about one of the most precious poor little people? Let's do it. Alex Randall. This poor kid. This poor kid has no idea. I was As Claire was talking to this kid, I'm like, this kid has no idea. Same thing with Mary Hawkins. No idea mm-hmm. that they're just being used. Totally being used. Claire, he's no scrub. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to play the song again? No. <laughs> first off, he loses his job. No, first off, he gets a- accused of rape. Which he didn't do. Didn't do. Is sent to the Bastille, is not released for quite some time. Loses the guy. Loses, loses his, his job. job. <laughs> and and then, then he's just walking around. Yeah. And then Claire's <laughs> like, oh, you know the girl that you love that wants to marry you? Well, you're a scrub. <laughs> and a scrub is a guy that can't get no love. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're sick. Uh-huh. Why are you coughing so much? Stop, stop coughing stop on me. Coughing. You don't have any money. Cough down wind. Don't you care about Mary? <laughs> stop coughing on me. Seriously. Oh my god. Poor guy. 
Oh, Poor guy. Man. The only one person looking out for him is, oddly enough, Blackjack Randall. I know. The guy's out there trying to get him his job back. Well, and Mary Hawkins is too. Who? Mary Hawkins? Holy smokes. What? Her bloody face, the poor thing. She got smoked, man. And yet, still like excited as can be about releasing Alex and, oh, I'm no longer engaged to Mr. Moly Moly Mole. <laughs> moly 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 Moly. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> oh, man. You know, what I liked about this was that, you know, Mary has been a character that has been a caricature almost with the stutter and mm-hmm. the, the sheepishness, sheepishness of her and how she's kind of mousy and all that other stuff. Uh, how many more animal references can I get in there, by the way? Um, finally, we get a chance to see who she is and how she feels. Yes. She's not just a plot device anymore. Uh, she says, I don't feel the same anymore. I feel violated and I, I don't, I feel like I'll never be the same again. And you get a chance to not only see what happened to her, but you see the after effects and how that plays with her a little bit here. Uh, and, and that, to me, humanizes Mary and makes you care about her a little bit more. And again, more character work. This, this is like the complete opposite of not in Scotland anymore. And that is what is most amazing about this episode. You finally get a chance to care about Mary. You do. You, you really, know? really do. And now you start to feel bad. Like... Is is Claire morally obligated to prevent this relationship with Jonathan Randall, or is she morally obligated to make it happen? Well, on the other hand, but then again, is is the relationship with Blackjack Randall actually a good thing? Well, that's what I was just going to get at. Like, why would you ever want this poor girl? She's a girl. She's a little teeny tiny girl. She's a very little girl who is just sexually assaulted. Just walking around, no idea about nothing. Why do you want her to marry Blackjack Randall? She's so young that she don't know what she don't know. And that is scary. And Claire wants this to happen. Oh, my God. Like, literally the most atrocious human being you have ever met, Claire, who you know is able to do such terrible, terrible things. You are going to make it so that this young girl has to be with him? Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Do you see what I mean now? Like, you kind of almost don't like Claire now. A scrub is not a bad choice. No, I'd rather have a scrub than than Jeffrey Dahmer. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, so Alex and and Alex and Mary, they're kind of like the Romeo and Juliet right now. Mm -hmm. Two star-crossed lovers that uh, not things not looking good right now. It's scary. It's scary here. And and I I feel bad for both of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel bad for Alex because the kid's obviously going to croak. Well, they're both being played by Claire. Exactly. Like I said, they, they're so young that they don't, they don't know what they don't know. And the, the kid's going to croak. She's going to end up in a marriage with Blackjack Randall. God knows what's going to happen there. Oh, God. I, I, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it sucks. I feel bad. I really do. I really do. Murtaugh I, feels bad, too. That poor guy has, um, has gone through the ringer. Did, I, I, I've, I've seen some people say, hey, I would have liked to have seen Murtaugh in prison. Like, I would have liked to have seen, like, some comedy out of that. Like, b- imagine Murtaugh in prison and talking to the French people and being like, I'll I don't cut your balls would, off. I don't think he would have been funny. I think he would have still been beating himself up from yeah, what happened you're prob- that night. Probably, probably, like, seriously. That was a good one. Wow. My right. brain was moving faster than my mouth. <laughs> um, yes, I think you're right. And and I'm glad that they they didn't show it because it wouldn't have fit into the entire episode as it was. It, the it 
it would have had to take away from something else. And I don't know what else you can cut out uh, in this episode because everything played in together so well. You're finally starting to see the the, the, the story weave together. A I wouldn't have wanted him there because I think he would have just been having a lot of reflection, quiet. I'm very upset with myself. And you time. got that from the conversation yeah. with Jamie. So yeah. you, you didn't need so it. So I didn't. I didn't need it. Uh, and again, like I... I I feel bad for Murtha uh, because he has devoted his his life in France to protecting Jamie, protecting Claire, and he knows that Jamie entrusted him with that life, with with not only Claire's life, but his baby's life, and he and he did what he did, but it's also an impossible situation too. So he, he can't beat himself up here. He, he got his ass kicked by four or five other guys. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And, and, oh, Jamie's reaction to him, like I said at the beginning, not cool, man. Not cool. Hmm. Help a brother out. I may not be down with the Scotland bro code, but I, I can at least tell you when a friend is down because he, he done something that was kind of out of his control, you, you can't, you can't well, shit on him and, for and it. And Murta, Murta just wins like the best friend award. Like if you had a best friend necklace, you would totally want to give the other half to Murta because <laughs> on top of all of this, and then he's like, all right, I'm going to be your backup for the duel. You know, that thing that we could like go to jail for or die for all this kind of stuff. I'm totally going to be there for you. Bro. Right. And I, I, and I love when he's like, when they're, when they're talking to uh, Claire and he's like, oh, we're going to do the duel. And Claire's like, the duel's not going to happen because of the Bastille and everything. And he's like, listen. I'll make sure that no one finds out what's happening. Yep. That to me was somebody who has got you back. And I'll see to it, is what he says. And uh, of course, you know, Claire just totally rudely dismisses him. Like, this is between Jamie and I. Get the F out. Um, again, uh, the whole thing with Claire's this episode has bothered me a little it's okay. bit. I. But it's good. I'm glad that I'm bothered. Because I'm glad she's that I'm human. not. I'm glad that I'm not indifferent. Yes. Right. Yes. The f- if if I were indifferent, mm-hmm. there would be a problem. You're supposed to be feeling so much tension right now, the, and the, I'm the glad tension, you are. And the tension between, you know, there, the, there's been a whole process mm-hmm. of, of Outlander so far, uh, for for Jamie and Claire finding out who they are, meeting each other, finding out who they are, finding out who they are as a couple, finding themselves. Uh, Jamie has to find himself in this role in season two. Claire has to find out who she is in Scotland and then change that whole setting to France. They have to find out who they are. Yep. And now we're starting to find it out and we're starting to find out who they are as a couple. And right now the tension is so thick because Claire can't choose. She cannot make a choice between Jamie and Frank. And this is why it's so important that we understand Frank. Because if we didn't understand Frank, we'd be saying, Claire, what the hell? What the hell do you care what happens to Frank? The, the, the problem that you have with Blackjack Randall wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if you didn't at least feel for Frank a little bit in the TV show. You didn't understand why he's important to Claire and why, she, why he has to be worthy of Claire. Because if he, if, if he wasn't, it, the decision would be an easy one. Mm-hmm. And that conflict would you instead of looking at Claire like, oh, God, you know what? You're kind of right. You'd be looking at her like, Claire, you're dumb. Obviously, Jamie's the king of men. What are you even worried about Frank for? And that's how I feel about that. 
And uh, that's that's why this episode works this, so freaking well. I, especially how it ended. How it ended with that huge shot oh. of Jamie on one side and Claire at the other. And here we just, last episode, they finally, they made love, they connected, they found each other. Mm-hmm. And they had so many beautiful moments within this episode with the spoons, everything you just said. And for this to be the lasting shot. Right. Don't touch me. Yeah. Oh, man. And like, you know, when you get that mad. And like, you're that pissed off. And even though Jamie says, I'm a man of honor, I'm going to do it. He kisses the sword and everything. You, that anger. He needs to go for a walk and call a therapist. <laughs> Copays, left and right. <laughs> 25 here, 25 there. So, uh, it was, that was, oh man, so, the, don't touch me. Is that something that worked for you? Do you, do you believe that's, that's something Jamie would say? <sighs> Jamie is a Taurus and that's exactly what I would have done. <laughs> you know, when I get mad, I'm like, don't touch me. I'm going for a walk. Yes, I do. No. I, <laughs> I do know. I see Jamie and I'm like, yep, I would have done that. I, I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's head on oh, over to- oh, Wait, wait, one last thing. Why the hell is Jamie getting arrested? It's his freaking house. Mm. It's his party. They were fighting. I know. In front of it's it, it's that's his that's his deal. I don't I don't know. I like, don't know. I understand if somebody else gets arrested, but like if Jamie's like, no, this is my house. I don't want to press any charges. I don't need nothing. Who the hell is the cop to say call a gendarmes and the gendarmes show up and start arresting them? Beating up old guys. <laughs> the guys were beating him up. Whatever. And like when Claire's like, everybody got arrested. <laughs> I, uh, I I was just like, I don't know. Oh, and, and one other thing too, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. I know I'm kind of going all, all, all over the place here. The, the voiceover that Claire had when she had the uh, letter in her hands, mm-hmm. was that voiceover something that you wanted or is, is that something that you thought was not necessary? Uh, because I, I can give you my opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Because there, there, as much as I love Richard Kahan and what the job that he did, I, I thought there was a little bit of an excessive use of voiceover in this episode. Excessive? Where else? Uh, well, she had a bunch of voiceovers throughout yeah, the whole episode. Yeah, but where else did you think was excessive? Well, no. What I'm saying is there was voiceover, and I think that this particular voiceover made it excessive. Because she talked about Frank? She talked about Frank, and that, to me, should be... Ju- that, that's understood, in my opinion. Here's, here's my argument to that. Like if you see we, her, we don't see Frank. We don't see Frank anymore. We don't get an insight into Claire's dreams. We don't get the voiceovers all the time when something reminds her of Frank. I mean, think about it. Frank is not a distant person who she never thinks about anymore. She thinks about him, of course, just like everyone thinks about their friends or that. Gosh, he was her lover. He was her husband. So yep. she has to think about him. She knows about all of this history because of him. So whenever she recalls facts, it's in Frank's voice. Yep. So the the reason that I'm okay with this voiceover is that we need Claire to talk about Frank because we need to appreciate that Claire loved Frank yep. loved, loves, and worries about Frank. And without these voiceovers, we don't get to hear Claire's thoughts. Now, yes, we can just appreciate and we can sit here as show watchers and be like, of course you would want to protect Frank. Of course. Why does she need to tell it out loud? Because we need to be reminded. Because mm. Frank isn't on screen. Yep. No, I, I get it. And if you remember last season, I, I said, I'm going on board with all the voiceovers. Like, if it's going to happen, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to accept it the way that it is because that's what they decide mm-hmm to do but i think i wanted this i wanted to see the struggle on claire's face here's what i would like i wanted i wanted i wanted that scene to be the crackling of the fire Mm -hmm. i wanted that scene i wanted that scene to speak for itself 
I think it could have in this one particular way. If she was holding the envelope mm-hmm. and then she began to look at her ring of Franks oh, and like twisted it back and forth in her hand. Just like that. A winner. And I think if you were able to do that and, you know, of course, reminding like you'd see the two rings. So it remind you, oh, yeah, Claire's married technically kind of the two different guys. And for her to sit there and have that angst. But you'd have to see something. You'd have to see Frank, whether it's his ring or you have to hear her voiceover, because we need to be reminded that Frank is a constant thought right. in her mind. I, I agree with you. And but the thing is, is I just wanted it to be silent. I wanted her face to show you the conflict. I wanted the fire in front of her to be burning so that it you can tell that it's burning within her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted that confusion coming straight from her acting and not from a voiceover. Uh, I wanted that scene to be patient. Like almost how the, the, the scene was with Black Jack Randall and Jamie. That scene was patient with itself. It allowed it to breathe. McKinnon decided, I'm going to let the camera stay on these two as Jamie walks up and I'm going to allow the camera to stay on them as... They're talking and Jamie walks, starts walking back and you see his face. You see his little smirk. You got everything you needed to know because the camera stood still and allowed the actors to do what they do. It didn't have to crib it for you. It didn't have to give you the, uh, the outline mm-hmm. uh, because it, that's all that mattered. And, uh, and I think your idea of having the, the ring there as she's holding it uh, would be, would be, oh my God, it'd be, that'd be freaking awesome. But that's just my opinion. What the hell do I know? I don't know. That's why you're married to me. I think my ideas are awesome. Thank you. You ready for the listener GBGs? Yes. All right, let's do it. Marion Koenig wrote her that her good was being able to be present and unexpectedly thrilled at King Louis' take on BJR to the land of humiliation. <laughs> Bad was seeing BJR touch Jamie and knowing he said he owes Jamie a death. Oh. Great was Sam Hewen's performance throughout the entire episode, but particularly the last few minutes. Wow, he brought it. Sam's fantastic. Cannot wait to. Oh, Sam is Sam is fantastic. Cannot wait to take revenge. Enthusiasm to finally get BJR to his expressions of hurt and disbelief that of all people on this planet, Claire is the one that slams down the "You owe me a life." Oh card. my God. Jamie tears and rage left me speechless. Bravo, Sam. Can, you, can we talk about the absurdity that exists? Because Claire, after all that happened, after everything that he has done to Claire and Jamie, Claire is saying, "Don't kill the guy." Oh my God! Oh, that that is super. Chief girl says the good was BJR and Jamie's encounter. I thought it was well done. I felt the tension. During the scene, both actors were great and love when Jamie tells BJR that he knew of his accident with a sheep. <laughs> the bad was the voiceover. Oh, so she agrees with you. Oh. I think Claire's actions were really self-explanatory and we did not need it. I understood the struggle Claire was going through with the letter and did not need all of that explanation of why she wanted to burn the letter. Not a girl. I got you. Super Chiva Girls, great was the ending. Whereas the last <sighs> week's ending seemed abrupt, this week's ending was perfect. I love that scene, even though it was heartbreaking. When Jamie tells Claire to not touch him, I felt for both of them. I liked how it ended with both of them in opposite sides of the room. Great episode. And on Twitter, Jennifer Wolf tweeted that her good was, I loved the horses. Aww. The bad was the fight. <laughs> and the great 
the acting. I'm feeling sad, Outlander peeps, missing the love and shirtless Jamie. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, uh, 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 Jennifer, Super Chiva Girl, oh, Super I, I wanted to mention this too. Last episode, episode four, it's right. It just ended. Like, I felt like they didn't know how to end the episode. It just kind of like cut. To be continued. To be the continued. And like, you know, and that's one of the, that's one of the beauties and one of the burdens of serialized television. And especially with a show like this, it's it's not like they're telling, it's not like each episode has a specific arc. It's just kind of like it's telling one giant story and it's decided, okay, within an hour, we're cutting it here. Uh, and they can get away with it too, by the way. They're allowed to get away with it because we care about the show so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for the normal Joe who watches television, there isn't something that like, and I don't want it to be episodic. I don't want it to be like LA, LA Law or Law and Order or whatever, or CSI. I don't want that. But, you know, just to cut it after that fight the way that they did, it didn't work. But this, as Super Chiva Girl said, this worked. This was amazing because they started off so well. They started off talking about LaDame Blanche and yada, yada, yada. All the stuff happens. And then by the end of the episode, Jamie and Claire can't even look at each other anymore. Jamie doesn't even want Claire to touch her. So instead of holding each other and laughing about LaDame Blanche, now they don't even talk. And that, to me, is is good Mm -hmm. television. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. My love, are you ready for the Kendra Thought of the Week? You bet, as uh, always. Let's do it. And as always, this is the Kendra Thought of the Week, who is the editor-in-chief of the Outlander Cast blog. She's wicked smart. She's wicked good. And she's got her own podcast, too, called Beyond the Stones. So listen to what this girl has to say. Hey, Mary and Blake, it's Kendra. We had quite an action-packed episode this week, and that is fitting because Anton and I had an action-packed evening this evening. We spent it down in the basement playing uh, hide-and-seek from tornadoes, so that was fun. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this episode, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the bits I loved about it and the bits I hated about it. Um, those, uh, the bits I loved vastly outnumbered the, uh, bad parts. So that's great. Uh, the first thing I really loved about it was the scene between Jamie and Myrta. Um, Myrta, uh, gives this really heartfelt mea culpa, um, in regards to, uh, his own part in the, uh, fate of Claire and Mary Hawkins, uh, in the alley. And Jamie listens and he doesn't condemn him, but he also doesn't let him off the hook either. Uh, he basically takes a moment and says, okay, so fix it. And I, what I love about it is that it shows the um, extreme dedication um, and just brokenheartedness of Murta over what has happened to Mary. Um, and it also shows the quiet strength of Jamie, something that has been missing for quite some time that is now fully back. Um, I also, of course, love the reintroduction of Blackjack Randall. Tobias Menzies was fantastic. Um, he brings, uh, the full nuance of that character just roaring back. And, uh, Claire's reaction to him was fantastic. Um, the scene between, uh, Blackjack and, uh, King Louis, where King Louis basically, um, puts him on his knees and the entire court laughs at him. That is fantastic. Um, it's great for Claire and Jamie to, um, you know, get that and kind of putting the monster, uh, 
under um, under a light and kind of taking a little bit of the the bite and um, the scare away from him. It kind of shrinks him and makes him a little bit more of a vanquishable foe. Um, there's also a nice moment uh, where Claire is watching Jamie and Blackjack in the distance, and uh, she visibly blanches when uh, Blackjack places his hand on Jamie's chest. And this is something that is going to, you know, come up later in this episode. Um, but that's a very nice moment. Um, what I didn't love was Annalise. Uh, we don't need her character anymore. I hope this is the last that we get. There's absolutely no point. Um, I didn't love Claire kind of rolling over and taking the nasty way that Annalise was speaking to her. That's not the Claire that uh, we all know and love. Um, and I hope we're done with that. Um, what I loved most, though, was the, the final scene between Jamie and Claire, the argument. What makes it fantastic is that there is equal weight and there is equal amounts, uh, there are equal amounts of betrayal on either side. From Jamie's perspective, um, there is a certain kind of betrayal that far outweighs uh, the betrayal of an enemy. Um, when you are looking to the uh, person that you consider to be um, your number one ally, the person you trust above all others, when that person seemingly betrays you, there is a there is a much deeper hurt involved um, than you know someone that you clearly count as an enemy. And uh, when you compare that moment um, when you know he allows a blackjack to touch him, but recoils and and tells Claire, "Don't touch me." I mean, it's extremely telling from. Claire's perspective, and this is something that I've been harping on for a while, and I've maybe seen one other person uh, touch on, um, you know, uh, Jordan and I have talked about it, is that um, Claire's defense of Frank is not only essential because she did truly and still does truly love this man. And it's not just for her own edification, but the entire construct of the story falls apart without Frank in the picture. Without Frank in the picture, there is no reason for Claire in the 1940s to visit Scotland. She doesn't mention ever having been there without Frank. Um, and basically, Frank all but sends her through the stones. He brings her basically to Cragnadin. So without any of this, our story completely falls apart. She never goes through the stones. She never meets Jamie. They never have this epic love. And so, um, and because there are uh, equal arguments on both sides, that makes this uh, scene so, so powerful. Um, I am looking forward to uh, the next episode somewhat trepidatiously. Um, so in giving my kilt rating, I'm going to have to actually, um, you know, devalue some of my kilt ratings in the past. I think I'm going to give this 4.8 kilts. Um, I loved it for uh, the strength of the characters this episode. Um, and, you know, I'm going to bring it down from a five because of Annalise and because that scene between she and Claire um, 
does not give us the true character of Claire. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, this is Claire in a weak moment. I'm going to say that's not Claire. Um, Anyway, I absolutely um, cannot wait to uh, hear your thoughts on this episode. And I loved uh, watching you guys on Hangout Lander. That was so much fun. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Salut. All right, Kendra, thank you so much. Thank you. As always, you are the best. I love everything you bring to the table. Again, you she is the Outlander uh, cast blog editor in chief. She has her own blog called Beyond the, uh, her own uh, podcast, podcast podcast called Beyond the Stones, where they talk about Outlander and other things too. Uh, and she's amazing, but just as amazing as Kendra's thought of the week is, and as Kendra is, you know what else is amazing? <laughs> Your outlandish theory. So before I get to it, I want to let you know that this Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. As always, uh, for over 50 year, 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. And throughout the second season of Outlander, they are going to offer a special menu, a special freaking menu, not just a middling or you know mediocre menu, but a special menu uh, of Outlander-inspired delicacies. They ship throughout the U.S., so go online at AckroydsBakery.com to check out what they what they offer, order it, have it sent to your house. They're amazing. They're great people, uh, and uh, you can uh, go to Ackroyd's Bakery to check out for more info. And while you're there, tell them uh, that Mary and I sent you, and use the coupon code OUTLANDER to get 5% off of your purchase at Ackroyd's Bakery. My love, are you ready for my Outlander Theory of the Week? Bring it on. All right, here we go. They talked about uh, the Compt and the ship and the, the wine and getting the money and all that other stuff. And Claire was like, hey, we can't give them smallpox, but I can give them something that looks like smallpox. Hmm. And you know what? Well, I think she's going to do it. And I think it's going to succeed. But here's the problem. I, and I don't know how this is going to happen, but this is what's going to happen. They're going to succeed. And what they do in succeeding directly leads to the Bonnie Prince Charlie getting the money. It's going to, and like, my idea is that history happens the way that it happens. And Claire is trying to inject herself into that history. She's making things happen that wouldn't necessarily happen. Someone's not going to fake smallpox. Someone's not going to push Alex Randall away from Mary Hawkins and push Mary Hawkins to Blackjack Randall because they wouldn't know. So all these things are happening because Claire is doing them. And what I think is Claire is going to do something that directly lends itself to the Bonnie Prince getting the money. Something she does that something she and Jamie does is the reason why he gets the money and is the reason why the rebellion happens and is the reason why they, they both of them have to go back to Scotland and fight under the Bonnie Prince. That's my guess. Interesting theory. That is my outlandish theory of the word, th- theory of the week. And Karen, this is for you. Mock me. It's gonna happen. <laughs> uh, there it is. Can you hang up and try again? <sighs> Final thoughts, my love. I'm so excited. I'm yeah. so excited. I love Outlander. <laughs> I just never wanted to end. That's my final thoughts. My final thought uh, is that 
I freaking love Black Jack Randall. I can't get enough of this guy. I can't get enough of his character. I can't get enough of what he does to Jamie and Claire. I can't get enough of the the divide that they have because of Jack Randall. Do you think they're going to do it? I do. And who's going to win? Oh, neither. That's not how duels work, Blake. Uh, Well, I think they're going to duel, but something will happen that will prevent the duel from ending. And that will allow Black Jack Randall to live. Because I don't think that Jamie's going to wait a year. Even though he said he's a man of his word, I don't think he's going to wait a year. Something something is going to happen. Like Black Jack Randall gonna, is going to poke him a little bit here. <laughs> okay. And uh, not poke him in a bad way. But oh, poke no, him, no. No, I meant, yeah, not the bad way. You yeah. know, he's going to poke him like, hey, what, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm here. Like, what's going on? So they're they're not gonna they're not gonna let this go, um, and uh, and you know the other thing I really liked too from this episode and I and I hate that I forgot to mention this was the opening tracking shot of the horses. Uh, well, no, not the horses. Oh, of not when the title card. N- not the, I do like the title card. I thought it was great, uh, and I was I was especially proud when Richard Kahan's name came up. And I was like, oh, that's my boy. Oh, the tracking through the party. the tracking through the party and showing all like the damage and listening to the clock tick and hearing and and even the Claire's voiceover talking about the clock tick. Uh, I thought that was all fantastic, but seeing how the the camera moved uh, in and out of the servants it kind of reminded me of Downton Abbey almost. It was beautiful, yes, and f- very Downton Abbey. And, and pushing up the chair and then fixing the fixing the floors and the Mr. vases Bates. and and everything. Um, really good camera work there. Good job by Douglas McKinnon. And I got to admit, um, I really like the job that McKinnon has done so far, allowing things to breathe uh, and showing things and and you doing a power move like that one shot. Uh, in the beginning. Really, uh, really good stuff. Uh, my love, are you ready to close off the show? This uh, Marconi uh, winning yes. show? And uh, we got the call to cut in. Did I tell you that? No. <laughs> Let's close I'm it out. over it. Our second episode of the week is still yet to come. You can get in all of your listener feedback by reaching out to us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also head on over to our website, outlandercast.com. You can also find our hotline number right there on our website. And if the social media isn't enough for you, you can always reach us at outlandercast.gmail. Dot com. And while you're at outlinercast.com, uh, you can hit this little button that says support. Uh, you can find a different way to uh, give us uh, or help keep this podcast a free podcast by donating a dollar or two at patreon.com. Uh, or the most important thing I want you to do is to tell a friend that we exist. If this podcast is a good enough companion for you and Outlander in your viewing experience of Outlander, please tell a friend that we exist. Uh, the show needs the promotion. We need the promotion. And I think that would help us out a lot. Another way you can do that is iTunes, my love. Isn't that right? Yes. And I want to read, uh, reach out to Patty McDee, um, who recently reviewed us. And by saying, my favorite podcasting team. I've been listening to this podcast since the very beginning and still can't wait for the new ones to come out each week. Aww. It's the relationship between the podcasters that makes or breaks a podcast to me. And Mary and Blake are so funny and likable that I will listen to them read the phone book and enjoy it. On top of that, <laughs> they are real Outlander nerds. And with them, I have reached a new level of personal Outlander nerdiness that I didn't even know was possible. Can't recommend it enough. And by the way, my all-time favorite episode was the podcast when Blake was talking about his and Mary's wedding on the wedding episode. Make sure you listen to that one. So I want to thank you very much. And I want to thank everyone who has taken the time to write us a rating review. And don't forget, 
I am sending you handwritten cards. If you leave us a review, if you take the time to write us a review, I want to know. <laughs> Send us an email with your snail mail address. And if you haven't written us one yet, now's the time. I even do a little sealed wax thing. It's oh, very she fancy. does. I've seen it. I've seen her do it. <laughs> it's very uh, Mary Hawkins. <laughs> I saw her and I was like, that's what I do for my Outlander cast reviews. You know, the sad thing is, is that's what I thought too. I just haven't done it for the foreign ones, like the ones outside of the country, because I don't know. So if, if you're like our Ireland friends, I didn't do that because oh, I don't know what happens. God. But if you're in the US, you get the wax seal. <laughs> you do. Oh my I'm God. glad you thought of me. What, you just, you know, you're not letting our, uh, the people outside of the country enjoy the I wax I just didn't seal? know if it was going to get stuck. I don't know how these things even work. I don't even <laughs> understand the zip codes. They're so different than ours. <laughs> I get very confused. If I can send a wax seal thing, I will do it. Someone let us know, please. Yes. If we can send wax th- seals through international mail. <laughs> I don't, what do they do? Like, take the wax seal off? I don't They're like, know. Oh, this American crap. Take this off. It's Mary Larson. Watch out for her. <laughs> Try well, to be Mary Hawkins. Until next time, ladies and gents, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>